Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the room where it happened. My name is Matt. My name is Nolan. I'm not going to throw away my shot. They called me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. As you know, hopefully, longtime listeners and fellow conspiracy realists, we like to do more than... Uh, more than just our typical actual episodes twice a week, we want to keep our finger on the pulse of the world. We love your help with this. This is our weekly strange news segment where we look at stories that may not have made the headlines or require some further analysis. We're going to spend a lot of time in Russia today, though perhaps not the way you expect. Uh, there is a guy who's still not in jail named Steven Seagal. You might have seen him in some films. He'll be in today's story. There is a uh, there's a guy over in Europe who is <laughs> being sued for aiding and abetting a possible incest crisis. You heard that correctly. And before we do any of that, Matt, I think there's a story that, that, that uh, you and I clocked especially about an unfortunate death over in Russia. Yes, that's correct. On this past Saturday, as we're recording this, April 2nd, a headline flashed across Al Jazeera that we noticed. It was, Russian military blogger killed in St. Petersburg Cafe Blast. And anytime we notice that a journalist of any form has been killed, we definitely take note. 
And this is no different here, no matter what they're writing about or what their political leanings are, we should talk about it when a journalist gets killed. So let's get to the nitty-gritty here. On Sunday, April 2nd, the same day that that was posted, at 3.13 p.m. GMT, that's Greenwich Mean Time, 11.13 hour time here in Atlanta, an explosion occurred at the Street Food Bar Number 1 Cafe in St. Petersburg, that is in Russia. An explosion within the cafe injured somewhere between 25 and 30 people, depending on where you're reading your reports from, because it says 25 were injured in that uh, Al Jazeera article, but in other places it says around 30 people. Mm -hmm. There was one person that was killed. That person's name was Vladlin Tartoski. This person's real name was Maxim Fomin, but everyone knew him as Tartoski because he had a very popular Telegram channel that, uh, that had over 500,000 subscribers, around 560,000, I believe. This person was a hardline supporter of the, quote, special military operation or action that Russia is carrying out in Ukraine, also known as the Ukraine war uh, to most people across the world. Uh, this person is very interesting, probably not somebody I personally would have liked or followed. Uh, but again, it's important that we at least talk about it because this appears to have been a targeted killing. This explosion appears to have come from a statue that was given to him just minutes before the explosion occurred. And, uh, again, this is within a crowded cafe but the other people in the cafe may have also been targeted, which is something we need to talk about. All right, so I'm going to go down through the rest of this Al Jazeera article just to give us some important stuff. A St. Petersburg website, according to Al Jazeera, said that the explosion took place at this cafe that at one time belonged to somebody we've talked about on this show before, Yevgeny Prigozhin, the founder of the Wagner Group. That is the... Uh, I, I don't know, I guess the Blackwater equivalent in Russia that we've spoken about before on this show. Mercenaries, right? Uh, private contractors, private military contractors. Um, oh, and prisoners. Private military prisoner contractors. There we go. <laughs> there you go. So the reason that Tartoski was even at this location at this cafe is because this cafe that was once owned by Yevgeny Prigozhin uh, was given to this group of Telegram users who were very much pro-Russia, pro-war. And uh, uh, what is the name of it, Ben? The Cyberfront Z Movement, or Zed. Zed, okay, Cyberfront Z Movement. So this, gr this group of people controlled the cafe. They would have talks there on a pretty regular basis, and this was one of those talks. It's a little weird having the political connection there to the Wagner group, Right. Uh, it does feel like uh, this group of bloggers maybe were more connected to the war, the war effort than a lot of other independent bloggers that existed out there on the planet. So this already makes it feel a little fishy. Uh, it makes it feel more targeted. Let's get to the explosion itself, who may have carried it out and why. So a video was posted that appears to show the moments just before the explosion. You can see a woman carrying a package, walk up to Mr. Tartoski and hand this package over. Another person, a third person, takes the statue out and shows it to Tartoski, who then talks about it and kind of jokes about it, and then puts the statuette down. Then the video stops, at least the one that I have seen. 
but between two and three minutes after that statue is placed like right next to this blogger, it explodes and the whole cafe explodes. Um, so then the question was on the 2nd of April, when this was posted, who the heck is that woman? Why would she put a bomb in a statue? And you know, why would, is that what this was? Basically, there was a huge investigation that was launched and literally over the course of, I think about 24 hours, there were already some answers. Yeah, they found the person, or they, in this case, being the Russian Investigative Committee, came out with a statement shortly after, and uh, this person appears to have a story all her own, right? She's fairly young as well. Yes, this person is fairly young. You can, uh, let's just jump over to... Another article here from CNN was posted the next day on April 3rd. The title is Russia Arrests Anti-War Activist Following Blast That Killed Hawkish Blogger. You can find that right now if you want to check it out. serious headline writing right there. I just want to point out. Right. Well, you can see the slant. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm pulling from Al Jazeera here, CNN, some British uh, sources, mm-hmm. other country sources, just to show that the headlines themselves really show the bias. Triangulating sources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense if you go through this stuff. The CNN article, you can feel it a little bit. So um, let's see. Let's jump down to talking about who this person was. The woman's name is Daria Triopova. She was allegedly a supporter of Alexei Navalny, another person we've talked about on the show, one of Vladimir Putin's uh, biggest detractors who is currently in prison, was once poisoned. We've talked about all of that on the show before. Uh, She was previously arrested at a protest of the special military action and or Ukraine war. And that is one of the reasons I think why she was immediately targeted by the investigation as, Hey, why did, why were you even there at this place that is generally filled with people who support the war efforts in Russia? And Mm -hmm. she also carried the statue that appears to be the thing that held the explosives. Um, It should be noted that when this was first reported, nobody was sure if the explosives were actually in that statue or not. Um, it was thought that perhaps they were, you know, somewhere else, placed somewhere else close to the stage area where this speech was happening. But it does appear, at least according to the official sources there in Russia, the statue was the thing that exploded. Question, Matt. Uh, now, I've, I've seen this as Daria uh, Trepova. This is a person who has been kind of a known enemy of the Russian push into Ukraine. Uh, is there any history here or how much do we know about this person who for all intents and purposes does seem to be the vector for the bombing? Uh, I don't know a ton about her. Do you have more information on her, Ben? Maybe this is for a future episode. We still haven't done uh, a series on Russian assassinations, but I, I, one thing I think is interesting is that the Russian news sources are saying this was a Ukrainian op. Did you see that? They as are. Well? They are saying that. Of course, they're saying that. That makes sense, right? Because then the Ukrainian forces are saying, no, this is Russia carrying out a false flag attack in order to blame Ukraine or in order to, you know, it, it's just the same thing. It's all the things you imagine the officials would say, right? Well, no, it's you. You did it because of this. Well, no, you did it because of that plus this. 
Uh, it's going back and forth. There's no real information. What we do have is, is a statement from her husband, which was really interesting. I'm going to give you just some quotes from him. Quote, she was really set up and used. Over the last day, I contacted her, but I lost contact about four to five hours ago. This is immediately following the explosion. All I knew was that Daria needed either for some task or for some reason to give some gift. I didn't even know what. There is one very important point that she told me several times. She was sure that this thing would allow access to a person. That is, it was not something that should have exploded. Dasha, who that's how he refers to Daria, in principle is not the kind of person who would kill anyone. And then, guys, Russian authorities released a video of Daria being interviewed. Or being interrogated, rather, is what it looks like. And she states, she states, yes, I was the one that brought the statue in. Yes, that was me. And they ask, well, who gave you the statue or how did you get the statue? And she said, I will tell you that later. (laughs) Right. Like, as in she can't say it within this interrogation for some reason. Okay, so she is, like, she has been apprehended. She is currently held by Russian authorities. Yes, she's being held by authorities. That was that statement was put out by the authorities after they interrogated her. It is very strange that she would say, well, I can't tell you who gave me the statue or how I got it, but I'll tell you later. Uh, it's very, very strange. What kind of explosives would have to be, you know, in a statue of that size to create that much carnage? I mean, a fairly small amount of C4 would do the trick, I unfortunately. Guess that's really, yeah. It's a mini Trojan horse, yeah. essentially. Yeah, but there are other substances that could cause a, a massive explosion like that, too. Sure. But again, it didn't obliterate the cafe, if that makes sense. It caused a lot of damage. You can see that damage online if you search for it right now. Oh, there was one other thing. There was a witness who was at the cafe who sat next to this person in question, Miss Tripova. And this comes from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. They put out an article on April 3rd, and it says, A witness said that a woman who identified herself as Natsya asked questions and exchanged remarks with Tatarsky during the discussion. The witness quoted Natsya as saying she had made a bust, the the statue, of the blogger, uh, but the guards, when she came in, asked her to leave it at the door, suspecting it could be a bomb. This is what the witness says. Natya and Tartoski joked and laughed about it. Then she went to the door, picked up the box that that contained the bust, and presented it to him up on the stage area. He put the bust on a nearby table with this other third person, and the explosion followed almost immediately afterwards. So they were joking about it having a bomb right before it went off. I guess one of the questions a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists will have is why would you accept a random statue of yourself as a gift? Uh, (laughs) Tatarsky is a, is kind of an internet influencer, right? Before his death, he was very popular on telegram. Uh, He was also a, a, a huge proponent of Russia's current war on Ukraine, such that I think, Matt, he would also criticize the Russian war effort for not going far enough. Yeah, he got his, he really got his claim to fame when he put out a video that went viral and it's got a horrible quote. I can read it to you guys if you want, but he was basically, he was at the location in the Kremlin when, uh, when Putin 
basically announced that they were taking over these four territories uh, in, within Ukraine. And his video, this guy, uh, it was basically saying, we're not going hard enough. We're going to kill everybody we need to kill. We're going to loot everything we need to loot. We're going to have it our way, and that's it. God be with you. Uh, that's me paraphrasing. But it was like really like, it's just pro-Russian war, right? Uh, that's what it was. And that's that's who this guy was. He even embedded himself couple times within the military during like frontline action intense stuff yeah and then we have to ask if this guy is being sort of a war propagandist on a i would argue a street level propagandist right he's not an alexander dugan or something well um, he was born in donetsk right which is one right. of the places that russia annexed mm, uh, so yeah. he's got he's maybe got some feels about that and grew up in that way felt mm. pro-russian from the start he's being used as you said ben Definitely. He was being used. Point being, he's not out writing things like foundations of geopolitics. I'm just, it's strange to me because the Russian government, if I understand correctly, is saying the Ukrainian forces conducted an assassination. Is that correct? Is that what the state arms are saying? Yes. But they're also trying to connect this person that they've picked up directly to Navalny which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily, that doesn't have anything to do with Ukraine necessarily. So it's really, uh, it appears the Kremlin is just trying to apply it to anybody that could be potentially opposing them. Mm -hmm. In this case, it would be Russian citizens within the country who are fighting against the war movement and potentially making them the bad guy, right? Yeah, still not the number one killer of dissidents in Russia, which is, of course, the notorious third story window. There you go. There you go. Uh, Well, yeah, and I guess that's where we have to end it, because is that what's actually happening or was it a false flag from, you know, from Russia to make these things happen or was it something else? Uh, Who knows? We'll have to keep watching to find out more. Yeah. Wow. Let's hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with more strange news. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we have returned. This is an interesting story. It is a story that unfortunately may hit home with a lot of people in our audience today. You guys know about sperm banks, right? Everybody knows what a sperm bank is. Uh, How would you describe it to someone who's never heard of it? I've always been a little foggy. Are you selling it? Is it like selling your plasma? Being a donor doesn't necessarily mean you're giving it for free, right? (laughs) The term donor uh, is a little misleading there, right? Yes. Uh, A sperm bank clinic essentially exists to liaise between people who have viable sperm and people who want to have a kid, right, Uh, or create a family. In to your to your question, in some cases, in many cases, there is a fee paid for donating sperm, right? And there are also any number of options regarding if and how a future child resulting from that transaction may be able to contact their biological father. In the case of like a plasma bank, you're probably not going to meet the people to whom you're donating blood. But in the case of uh, sperm donation, then it is possible that several decades or years down the road, you will meet someone who is your biological offspring if you have donated to a sperm bank. It is a bit weird. They've got a like when you go in, there's basically a menu. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, are you, are you looking for certain traits? Yes. There are yeah. weird demographics. Okay. There are boutique. Uh, I guess you would call them boutique donation bureaus, wherein it might only be people who are members of Mensa, which is an intellectually fraudulent organization. There might also be demographics, right? We want someone, we we want a donor who has insert here attributes, whatever they may be. Uh, and 
with this in mind, you can see how the business gets a little murky, right? And also, if there's not a nationwide, dare I say worldwide regulation for this kind of stuff, then it's quite possible to go from town to town, just drifting (laughs) through the sperm banks. Uh, And sometimes people do this if they can meet the requirements, right? You want to be substance abuse-free. You don't want to have any um, clearly heritable uh, genetic plot twist. You can supplement your income doing this, but there will be consequences down the road. This is where the story of Jonathan Jacob Mazier begins. Uh, He is currently the proven father of hundreds of children. And (laughs) the, the lawsuit is saying that he fathered 550 children. And yes, there's a lawsuit because this individual is being sued for increasing the risk of unknowing incest across parts of Europe. So, okay, a lot to unpack. A lot in the headline. This is, this is what you call sowing your wild oats, I reckon, uh, like, but taking it to the extreme. Um, so wait, so when you do this, when you, when you become a sperm donor, again, misleading term, um, are you agreeing to not do it? too many times is there is there a cap yes at what point okay but how how is that communicated and how is that um tracked that's that's the rub that's the issue because what if you live in a place like europe where the next country and a new regiment of laws it's just a train ride away you know and probably like what forty bucks if you go Ryanair. Uh, was this the same guy that got all the COVID vaccines? Remember that guy? That was in Europe too, no. and it was a similar grift. I know yeah. it's not, but it was a similar thing where he was able to go to other countries, adjacent countries, and do it. Yeah, under uh, this. So this is a Dutch national, he's a musician, and under the Dutch government. If you're a sperm donor, you cannot have more than 25 children via sperm donation. Uh, You cannot impregnate, just in general, more than 12 women. This is all meant to prevent inbreeding, incest, or psychological problems for kids when they find out, surprise, you're not an only child. Uh, We're pulling a lot of this from some great sources that are... They're all ultimately reporting a London Times article, but you can you can find the information pretty easily. Our boy, Jonathan Jacob, not Jingleheimer Schmidt, has already gotten in trouble for this. In 2017, a ban went out against him because he had fathered 102 children. Now, this individual lives in Kenya. And he has donated sperm in Denmark and in Ukraine. Uh, And a lot of the investigation into this guy comes from something called the Donor Kind Foundation, like the word donor and kind put together in the Netherlands. And they have filed this civil lawsuit against him, alleging that he has actively, continually lied about the number of children he has fathered through these programs, taking advantage of this lack of communication between the different countries, the different programs. I know this is a sensitive topic for a lot of us listening today, and I wanted to ask everybody, 
should it be illegal to donate material like this at this level? The gene pool thing certainly sets off some alarm bells. Because, I mean, if there were no checks on it, conceivably, someone could do serious damage to, like, a population over time, right? Yeah, we, we shouldn't do this. I do have a solution, though. Hmm. We take somebody like Jacob and, like, what's his name? Jan Karbat, that I think we've <laughs> mentioned in passing before. Mm-hmm. Didn't we? That was a, the, another Dutch dude. He, like, ran a sperm clinic, and he fathered, like, 90 people. Right. It's same, same kind of deal. Take these guys, get that sperm, that that amazing sperm that they have. It's and not amazing. It's just, reg- it it's just regular sperm. They're just regular people. Well, now I'm, you know, I was just reading how one in six people are infertile now that are that walk around on this planet. One in six people are infertile, uh, which, you know, this isn't regular sperm. This is kind of super sperm. Let's save it all up. Let's bank that stuff. And what are you, you know, this guy's agent. When an apocalypse happens, come uh, on, we can repop. We can repop of, with these guys. Get, get a bunch of John Jacobs. Uh, yeah, let's re-popping. do it. So, look with the with the right amount of deception, it turns out anybody can be their own personal Genghis Khan, right? But the the issue here is one of dare I say personal responsibility. I mean, ethics are notoriously difficult to enforce. It sounds like a lot of the people who were partnering with these sperm banks, right, to have a child, a lot of them weren't informed that this would be one of 99 kids or one of insert hundreds here. And that feels like important information to have, does it not? Yeah, it does. It very much does. And, you know, we we were talking a little bit off air about how uh, an anonymous colleague friend of ours has has done this not this many times but a significant number of times and how this individual was able to find out that exact number because i mean presumably you know there are maybe maybe a sample wasn't viable or something like that or every time you donate it doesn't necessarily mean a child will be born does it so well, you if you're a and- jacob or one of these other guys, then yeah, yeah. you know. Okay, well, yeah, he's got that. <laughs> he's got that method man sperm. Um, but like, I just think it's odd to be able to get that kind of information. I mean, it almost seems like one step shy of like getting names and addresses. You know, yeah. like like in an adoption scenario, which I think only happens at the behest of the adopted child later in life. They can request some communication with their birth parents, and then you know that's handled through the. Agency, is there such an arrangement for donor children? That's a great question. The issue hinges on the rights of the people who are donating these materials, donating sperm, or people saving their eggs, uh, and not just the rights of the people who are on the other side of the equation, but what are the rights of the children? They are absolute bystanders in this situation. You don't get to choose who your parents are just yet. And as someone who has uh, donated in the past, I will say, uh, I get a little freaked out when I hear about stories like these. Now, when you say donated, yeah, no, I'm just joking. Loaded <laughs> mm-hmm. term. And I, and I do mean loaded. Yeah, uh, let thanks, somebody guys. borrow some for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, take it around the block. Uh, so this this is weird to me because I think this is going to be an increasingly 
common issue. And the, the current lawsuit is a civil lawsuit. It's not a criminal lawsuit. But I, I cannot help but wonder what's going to happen. I, I even read through the, oh, the attorney for Doorkind, Mark DeHeck, who said they only took legal action after multiple women apparently reached out to this guy on numerous occasions and said, please stop with the donations. Please stop. There are too many of your scion out here. And he refused. Yeah. He's like, well, come on. This is, this is how I make my money, man. Pay me. Sure. Pay me. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> so the foundation is going to ask him to do this, Matt. They're going to ask the court to order him to stop donating sperm. And not only that, but to have all of his previously donated sperm destroyed unless it's reserved for a woman who's already given birth to a child that is biologically his. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> but he's donating under fake names as well. Under, yeah. I mean, you know, there's identity protection, which further complicates it. But the allegations are the guy is gaming the system. And for many people, families, couples, singles who, who feel that they have been taken advantage of here, this gets this gets pretty gross, right? Like this, would you consent? This is not informed consent, right? Isn't that the issue? I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know. The, the issue is just he's holding the world hostage with his <laughs> super <you know>. sperm. <laughs> it's just regular sperm. Uh, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these clinics, because, you know, we're not accusing them of being bad actors, but because they don't communicate across international borders, you know, you can say, okay, I'm obeying the Australian guidelines that a donor can only inseminate five instances, right? Mm -hmm. But then I'll just go to another country, right? And now yeah. I'm starting over. It's a brand new me. <laughs> I just had this picture of him holding onto his tackle. Like the way you would a gun or something in uh -huh. a hostage situation. And <laughs> just like the world is on the other side. He's like, please, please, Jacob, stop. You got to stop. He's like, you can't stop me. Like that Dave Chappelle <laughs> joke about the, the hobo on the, uh, on the bus. Remember that one? A deep yeah. cut, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's also... There's also the fact that he would write these motivation letters for certain sperm banks talking about why he was the best to help these people realize their dream of having children. This is malignant narcissism, I would argue. He just really likes donating, maybe. Or he really or he really needed the cash, you know? Yep. Uh, but also if you're traveling the world and you're still doing this, you really need the cash? Is it just like, ah, I wish I wasn't fathering hundreds of children, but I, I need some scratch for the plane ticket. I Well, what it is, you get to a new town, head to the hostel, find out where the closest donation center is, make some scratch, move on to the next hostel, find one there, make some scratch. So like a sperm carny? <laughs> So yeah, yeah, a, it's exactly a sperm carny. Great. Okay. It's, it's what Tyler Durden and Fight Club refers to as setting up franchises. That's what so, it is. 
So this is an ongoing issue. We've got some appointments of our own to keep, so this may have to be an episode in the future. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. We're going back to Russia uh, to learn just uh, just like how bad their training is today. This episode's filled with sticky situations. Oh, boy. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back uh, with one more piece of strange news. Hey, it, it, we're going to end on a light note today, kind of, I guess, depending on your take on Mr. Steven Seagal. 
Boo. He's actually seen a Steven Seagal. Yeah, he, okay. He, he gets the boo, justifiable boos. He's, look, I, I'm not going to, this is out of the context of today's discussion here, but he has been known to, like, flash women and just do kind of genuinely gross things with women and just seems like kind of a, you know. Just, I'm anti-Steven Seagal. I, I know. I bias in this. For, for good reasons. I mean, these are things that, that have widely been circulated throughout the years and, and been reported, um, you know, about his behavior in, in those regards. Uh, we are not talking about that today. Um, you can have any number of reasons for disliking Steven Seagal. One might be uh, that he essentially is claiming to be uh, a Russian at this point. He is really buddy-buddy with Vladimir Putin. He's been given some very high uh, accolades, um, uh, one in particular with a very delightful name, the Order of Friendship from uh, from Vladimir Putin himself. Uh, he refers to himself as being one million percent Russian. Um, and now he is uh, he's taking he's putting his money where his mouth is, that, those percentage points of, of Russianness. Uh, and he has opened a uh, school for a training academy for Aikido, Aikido, uh, called the Typhoon All-Russian Aikido Center, um, where he recently participated in a ribbon cutting with a very, very small ribbon, uh, as, as Newsweek points out. This is actually not the newest of stories. This is a couple weeks old, um, but I just thought it was worthwhile because we don't get to talk about Steven Seagal nearly enough. What was the one where he was on the uh, the, the the train, and then and then like there there was a sequel to it. Uh, under siege. It was like under siege. No, that's, that, right. that's not no. it. I don't think that's it. No, that was it. That was Is absolutely it? it. It was it was a train heist. Okay, called under siege. There was one with a ship too, though. Hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. There was under siege two dark territory, but in the first two, yep, on board the Navy battleship USS Missouri, a group of terrorists used the rouse of a surprise party for the captain, <laughs> Roos rather, uh, as an opportunity to take control and start some sort of uh, international incident. Uh, there was definitely one with a train, though, guys. Was it the uh, Was it the one where he pretends to be a member of Louisiana law enforcement? Because no, he did that's, that that's too. the real, isn't that the real life thing? <laughs> real. Yeah. Yeah. It's real the way reality oh. TV is real. Oh, I- I'm sorry. Under Siege Part One is on a ship. Under Siege Two, Dark Territory, on a train. Mm. Also involving, uh, yeah, his, his character's name is uh, Casey Ryback. He's an ex Navy SEAL who keeps getting into all kinds of sticky situations. Uh, not yeah. even, not even the multiple, uh, multiple lawsuits for sexual. Harassment, assault, exactly. and misconduct. Yeah, thank you. Uh, these are all very real things. Um, so, you know, uh, it's sort of like uh, what Dennis Rodman did, you know, with Kim Jong-un, you know, or he got real buddy-buddy with him and became this kind of celebrity over there and, you know, making the rounds and stuff. And uh, I, I, you got to wonder, like, is, is it you're sort of canceled in your own country? Um, so you go kind of buddy up with a dictator? Is that the thinking here? Why, why does he like Russians so much? Well, it goes back uh, for many years, honestly. He also, I mean, as even before a lot of people in the United States were really thinking about Ukraine and Russia, he was, uh, he was 10 toes down for the annexation of Crimea back in 2014, you know, and this got him in trouble abroad because he, I think he's just always, uh, he's always loved, uh, 
autocrats, dictators. He, he definitely supports Putin's version of Russia. And people's beliefs are their own, but he's had Russian citizenship since August 2014, or since November 2014. 2014? Yeah, again, back with annexation of Crimea, yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on with that timeline. Um, he also, uh, he is an investor in Russian business. There's something called the Gorky Holding Company that Seagal has a 26% stake in um, and was uh, gifted a massive plot of land in uh, Odintsovo district. And this is reported by the Russian news outlet Baza. Um, yeah, Moscow authorities actually gave the company a, 8.2 uh, hectares or 20 acres of land um, with a market value of 800 million rubles um, where the company is, is, is intending to build uh, a information center for martial arts. Once again, this is this is different. This is separate from the typhoon school, by the way. So back back to the typhoon school. Um, this is what Seagal had to say at the ribbon cutting. Uh, I am very glad to be able to present this center today and that Aikido will develop here. These arts can make this world a better place. Buried the lead here a little bit, by the way. Um, there was a statement from the Typhoon Center saying that that uh, that it was actually intended. Its intended use would be quote training for service in the Russian armed forces. Okay, and by the way, Aikido is is Ben. You're more familiar with martial arts stuff, Matt. I know you are too with the MMA stuff. Uh, I believe that Aikido techniques are used in MMA fighting. That's hard to say. Um, but they are pretty exclusively defensive, aren't they? Yeah. It's not really Aikido. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is. It's Maybe it's a what f- you would call a soft martial art. Like, it's it's about the redirection of energy. That's right. It's the, So it's not banned in mixed martial arts or MMA, but it's probably not very common, I would say. Matt, would you agree with that? Yeah, jujitsu techniques are probably way more prominent, at least yeah, the one agreed, when I've watched agreed. fights. Yeah. yeah. Well, the comment section on this Newsweek article is a hoot. Uh, we've got one here from Bill uh, saying, good news for Ukraine because Aikido is an entirely useless martial art where the demonstrations are literally students performing rehearsed pratfalls. What's bizarre is that the Russian military already uses the highly effective art of Sambo. Sambo is nasty, yep. man. Sambo yeah. is brutal. It's also yep. uh, like also Aikido doesn't. Um, a big thing about Aikido is you don't want to harm other people. And a big thing about Sambo, like Krav Maga, is the idea of incapacitating an opponent as quickly yeah, as possible. Like punching someone in the throat. <laughs> like things like that, right? Yes. Serious business. Yeah. So and it's it's funny. And, and you know, and look, we're not here to body shame anybody or anything like that, but you know, I mean, Seagal, when he's doing these demonstrations, he's got a little paunch going on these days. He's not he's he's a shade of his former, you know, uh, under siege self. And, and they're a little goofy looking. 
because it does to the to the commenter's point kind of look like the way soccer players look when they get like grazed on the field they just kind of hit the ground and like clutch them themselves and go into a fetal position like it is highly performative at least in appearance um another comment here from fred says too little too late martial arts is only good for hand-to-hand combat did anyone tell steven seagal how drones and electronics replace trench warfare where foes are kilometers apart if not more dropping grenades from inconspicuous drones is the new strategy with drone operators skilled and radio control uh replaces martial arts so that's a good point it is a good point it's not clearly an optics thing you know okay so so i was gonna ask do you think it's propaganda do you think yeah. that's like the sole it's value? A, we got of it? your, we got your movie star, America. First of all, you can have him, right? We have the guy from Under Siege, <laughs> Under Siege, and Under Siege Two: Dark Territory. Um, can't even think of any of his other movies. They're they're really bad, by the way. They're 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 like sub Jean Claude Van Damme, you know. And no no shade on Jean Claude. I like some of those movies. Are a lot of fun. Time Cop, come on, Time Cop uh, slaps above but. the law, hard to kill. That's right. Yeah, I I think okay. So the thing is with this, um, maybe there is a bit of nostalgia. I know I've never met Steven Seagal, and look forward to not having to hang out with him, just to be again candid because I don't care for sexual predators. But I do understand the appeal, and I don't want to necessarily crap on a stranger if I am just hearing these reports about them, but they seem pretty confirmed in multiple U.S. courts cases. Uh, and practitioners of various martial arts don't have a lot of great stuff to say about him. I mean, they kind of paint him as a paper tiger. I have to ask what the value is there. I saw in an interview, Noel, that he had earlier said, he being Stephen Skull, that he had uh, considered himself 100% Russian. You noted that, quote, earlier that's from an interview where he says his dad comes from russia and he was raised kind of in russian culture despite being born in the u.s so i mean maybe it's a sincere thing for him maybe he doesn't feel like it's a plot twist maybe he feels like he's actually helping maybe uh yeah uh, unclear um but i do want to point out though whatever the case may be with his russian you know, patriotism, uh, how sincere it might be. Um, he has a hell of a lot of movies with the word kill in the title. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, he's got hard to kill, uh-huh. uh, out for a kill, <laughs> driven to kill. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, kill switch. And how could we forget 2016's contract to kill? Yeah. Look, man. Oh, how, how dare. Uh, colorful man. titles among, among this film. His you guys. Filmography as well. Seagal might be above the law and hard to kill. Okay, you think so? He might be monster, but he's marked. He's definitely for death. a dangerous. He's he's a dangerous man. That's for sure. Yeah, he's marked for death. He's got a fire down below, and he's out for justice. He's certainly under siege uh, because this <laughs> this I keep at least in this show because this uh, this dojo and he's created several uh, over his quote unquote career. This dojo is, I think, from like Russia state media confirmed this. It's meant to prepare young people for service in the Russian armed forces. So he's not teaching, right? He's not teaching actual soldiers, actual combat. He's kind of doing like an ROTC thing. Is that 
What would you say? It definitely feels like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you kind of nailed it. Um, the last thing is, I, I do remember this movie. Uh, the title it still gives me a, a chuckle. It's called The Glimmer Man with his co-star, Keenan Ivory Waynes, and oh. Brian Cox of Succession fame, which, oh. is, uh, which is back on the air and a, a hell of a show. Way better than any Steven Seagal movies, but um, there, is a, there is a Kevin Bacon connection there. Um, at least one one degree of Kevin Bacon. Um, but that's all I got, guys. Steven Seagal in Russia teaching yeah. teaching uh, Aikido. Teaching Aikido, which is uh, a beautiful art, right? And as as you established earlier, it's not necessarily a wartime art like Sambo or Krav Maga. But uh, we have to see how it develops. Maybe maybe Steve has his own take on Aikido that is a little bit more militarized. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait to see how that how that develops. Uh, this week's Strange News has been a wild ride. There's a bunch of stuff we didn't get to, so I think, gentlemen, we'll have to do another Strange News in the future. What do you say? Oh, yeah. Next week, maybe? What? What are you, Nostradamus? All right, maybe next week. Let's pull out our Ouija board and check. In the meantime, if you want to be part of the show, we'd love to have you. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, we would love to hear if you are accidentally related to hundreds of people you've never met. Uh, we'd love to hear if you are weaponizing Aikido uh, for a state-level military. Uh, and we really want your take on what's going on with the various contradicting narratives uh, about the tragedy there in St. Petersburg. Uh, find us online or uh, other ways. I don't know. All the ways you can All find ways. us at conspiracy stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube conspiracy stuff show on Instagram and TikTok. And if you don't quite care for sipping the social meads, you can talk to us on a telephonic device. All you have to do is dial the number. The magic spell you will cast on your phone is one eight three three stdwytk Save the number in your phone because sometimes the abyss stares back. You'll hear a beep uh, after a familiar voice. It'll be like blah, 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 beep. And then you'll have three minutes. Those three minutes are your own. Go nuts, go ham. Give yourself a moniker. We don't like government names on our phones, so we would love a street name. And tell us what's on your mind. Tell us if we can use your name and or message on the air. Most importantly, if you have more to say then hit us up on our favorite way to communicate send us a line at our good old-fashioned email address where we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. 
In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.